Hi, I'm Harry Masterson. Hi, and I'm AJ Toft. And join us each week on the Darts World Weekly Podcast, where we will discuss the latest news, reviews, and what's going on in the world of darts right now. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the weekly Darts World podcast. I'm Harry Masterson. Hi, and I'm AJ Toft. How are we doing today, Harry? I'm very good, thank you, AJ. Obviously, you were playing on the in the Romanian Darts Festival this weekend. How did you find it? Yeah, it was uh, reliving a new well, reliving a new experience. Uh, this is that was my first foreign tournament, as it were, for quite a few years now so it's just getting back into getting my body back into the groove of things uh, arrived late last night uh, about 10 o'clock then i've had a meeting this morning at eight o'clock with work and then i've drove four and a half hours to uh, my location where i'm going to be do- doing audits with my day job so it's been a, a crazy five days it feels like and it's going to be it's going to get even worse <laughs> as this year goes on and um, just for everyone out there, how did you um, how did you get on? Yeah, uh, and so myself and Andy Tucker, we played in the pairs, uh, got through to the second round. First round we played really well, but then we just got unstuck by a pair of, like where they had that deadly combination of one of them was a really good scorer and the other one was a really good finisher. So um, yeah, that but that was a a good warm up Saturday. Played some really good stuff. Got down to the last 64. The round before the points, where I met up with uh, Tom Ellis, and again his his scoring was just like one dart extra against mine. So my ton was his 140, and my 140 was his 180. Um, he didn't really do a lot wrong, and didn't really give me a lot of chances in that game. Um, and he went on to the semi-final, so you know, fair play. And then on the Sunday, uh, I got beat first round by Bradley Kirk. Again, it, I outscored him. It was probably the best I've scored in a tournament environment in a long time. You know, playing in ADC events where you know you always have, you seem to have like two good legs or three good legs or you know a spell. But this was consistently good scoring, but just undone by the doubles. I mean, I missed double twelve for a one four one. He checked out. I missed double 12 for 138, he checked out, and I missed a bull for an 86, and he checked out. So it's uh, it was a frustrating one. Not Obviously, I'm not happy with the results in terms of not getting to where I wanted to be, but it's a, a massive foundation for me to build up on. Absolutely, absolutely. And every every tournament you play, it'll be more and more of a learning curve for you, surely. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, looking forward to the next one. Um, for me, I'm going to be doing a lot of the ADC events, uh, especially the Windmill Tour. Looking forward to doing that again and meeting up with some of the people that we've met along the way there, and um, you know, smattering a, a, a few other ADC events and a few WDF events. So just trying to do a, a mixed bag and just build that uh, tournament uh, energy up. Well, you've mentioned the ADC. We'll get into the news now, and we'll start with. Um, the Vaults 5.0 winners. We've got the list of 10 players who have qualified this week. From the southeast in London, we've got Ben Payne. Southwest was won by Owen Bowden. Wales, Terry Dash. Yorkshire and Humber was won by Paul Lewis. The Northwest, Simon Preston. Northeast was Stephen Jamieson. Scotland was won by Andy Davidson. Northern Ireland, um, Barry Copeland, who played at Lakeside this year. East of England was won by Thomas Banks and Midlands was won by Joshua Carter. Obviously, I didn't say Ireland, but Ireland will be hosting their tournament this Saturday. So we've got our list of 10 players and they're all going to the Moda Super Series. Yeah, and I think for something that's like a midweek event, you know, whereas usually midweek was your classic pub darts, you know, like, you know, league darts. I think the ADC have really locked onto this you know the northwest is thriving at the moment i mean the pendlebury uh vault is sold out seven days in advance as soon as it goes live you know you're fighting for places now for me in my current job role i'm all over the country so it's not really um i wouldn't really get into any rankings of any sorts with it but 
maybe you know got to these events just on a whim or wherever i am and if there's a tournament nearby you know it's going to get you that competitive edge and i think the players that succeed in these weekly tournaments you can now see they're thriving in challenge tour in other adc events and wdf events I think with these ADC vault winners as well, you notice like some of the names are a bit more familiar than the other ones and others are complete unknowns. Like for example, this weekend, um, Tom Sykes, I don't think many people would have heard of him and he went into the Moda Super Series this uh, last week, I should say, on the Thursday, came through, the, came as finished in the top two positions in Group C and went on into the finals night and winning the whole and won the whole week he will be at champions week and a very very big achievement for him yep and he recently won the title that's why he got into the um into the modus and you can see what a big one can do for a player and you know he's just kept that confidence and he's keeping that level and he's you know just that belief in yourself and you know some of the outshots you know speaks volumes you know with the pressure that the players especially in that final i mean Darren Webster all week was throwing some awesome stuff and you know amazing checkouts, but he withstand the pressure and won the week, and now he's into Champions Week. Absolutely, and he took he took um, two tour card holders. He put them really to the test in relation. You mentioned Darren Webster, and obviously had Connor Scott in his group as well, and he's literally just come off the tour, so yeah, he didn't do it the easy way. No, I mean that Group C was a really tough. I mean, each week you say you know. Well, this looks like a deadly week, you know, no uh, group, all groups of death, but, you know, these players and the, especially the ADC players are really making a, a mark for themselves now. I think a lot of people were downplaying the ADC players, going, you know, saying, oh, well, when you're putting them against seasoned veterans like uh, a Martin Adams, uh, you know, players of that ilk, you know, they look. it looks like a mismatch, but these vaults are proving that if you can pick up form in this, you can take it into Q School, you can take it into the Challenge Tour. I mean, looking at the Northwest in particular, where I'm from, uh, young Harry Gregory, uh, you know, he, he's been playing week in, week out in these vaults events. And at first, you know, he was happy to get out of the group stages, then it was consistently in the quarterfinals and semifinals, and then he's turning these into finals and wins. And he had a really, really good, made a really good account of himself in Q School. And he's followed that on onto the UK Open qualifiers. Exactly. We're going to see Harry Gregory appear at this year's UK Open, as well as Ashley Coleman, who recently signed a new signed sorry signed a new manufacturing deal with um, Unicorn. So two birds with one stone for him this week. Yeah, massive week for him. I mean, um, I've followed the darts ref. I'm good friends with um, Jack. I've met him on a few occasions. We've had some really good conversations, and uh, you know the work he's done with Ash. You know starts off as a you know social media and it starts off with media and it's getting that you know getting the eyes onto him but you know it's down to actually at the end of the day and some really good performances at q school and now as we said getting a uk open spot the, you know he's got a lot of opportunities coming his way I'm very much looking forward to seeing both Harry and Ashley at this year's UK Open. We know that these Riley's qualifiers have got big bearings for many players. We know that Luke Littler came Luke Littler came through one of the UK Open qualifiers last year in Riley's and the rest is history. He reached the world final this year and he's now played back-to-back -back World Series of Darts finals against Van against Michael Van Gerwen this year. One first week in Bahrain, including a nine dart, a nine dart leg against Nathan Aspinall, before going on to win the tournament. He beat Gerwin Price and Michael Van Gerwen. And this week, the same story in terms of who reached the final, but a different, a, a different outcome this time. Yeah, what was the term uh, Van Gerwen? I'm gonna get him. That was it. And um, yeah, this on this occasion he got him, um, but just padding back a little bit to the Bahrain Masters. Um, obviously, the nine darts was fantastic and getting the win. The, thi the thing that impressed me greatly was the 350 and 6. They're, they're like the unicorn poo. You know, like it's the things you never see in that aspect. Everyone, you know, nowadays, everyone hits nine darters and nine darters are on a regular occurrence. Uh, Mark, Mark Graham hitting the nine darter in Romania which is a, a great achievement for him and congratulations. But just padding back to the Bahrain Masters and 
Luke Littler hitting the nine data himself, but I think what was more impressive was the 350 and six, 180 with a 170. Don't think you see them often enough at, uh, at the moment. I think that's the new one that we need to be. That's the top standard. No, I completely agree. I remember, um, I remember seeing something on social media about that and many people would actually say that a 350 and six darts is actually more impressive than a nine darter. I don't know what your opinions on that are, are, but I think they're both as impressive as each other. Yeah, I think the, in the context of the match, I mean, going hit you know, 180, 180 for the nine darter is, you know, is a great, is a great start, but the later to leave 170 and then to hit the 170 to win the leg, you know, yeah, I think it's just a, you know, it's a different level for me, but uh, no, I mean, this is what it's all about. It's having differences of opinion and, you know, what's good and it's one person is not so to another, but, you know, congratulations, as I said, to uh, Luke Little on winning his first World Series event and uh, runner up in the second in Holland. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, one thing he can say as well is despite losing at the weekend's, we know with the Premier League coming up as well that he is definitely going to be challenging for every single event that he plays in this year. And he just does not seem to get faced by it whatsoever. Like you wouldn't even know that he's on his first year on the PDC tour and he just doesn't seem to get, he's opening FIFA packs whilst he's in Holland. And I, I don't understand like how is he making it look so easy? I mean, technically, it's not even started yet. That's the crazy thing. The Pro Tour doesn't start for another couple of weeks. You know, he is the buzzword. I mean, they call it the littler effect. I mean, on, on the weekends, I mean, you see from the various start shops up and down the country how the shops are full at the moment with, you know, dads and the kids buying a dartboard, buying a set of darts. You know, everyone is darts mad at the moment. And... You know, are we going to see another generational boom in, you know, 10 years time or five years time with the next set of teenagers nipping at the ankles of us, of us oldens? And we know that all through after the World Championships, we knew of the uh, Project Littler um, sort of trends that was going on on TikTok. Like everyone yes. was buying the new dart, buying like dartboards, they were buying the stands, getting their own sets of darts. So it wouldn't even surprise me if 10 years down the line, we do have another Luke Littler. Um, I think it'll be a hundred of them. <laughs> there will be loads, there will be loads. Um, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't straightforward for him this weekend though, in Den Bosk, um, Van, Michael Van Gerwen getting his first um, PDC title of the year. And even though he averaged six points lower than Luke Littler in the final, he did take his chances when it mattered he included a 66.67% checkout rate and he only missed four darts up double so yeah the last four legs I think the last four or five legs by Van Gerwen were unbelievable I mean and the thing is Luke still had chances in them games he missed a couple of he missed a couple on the doubles in the penultimate leg and the leg before it so when they were level he missed a chance no he was ahead sorry I think he missed a dart at the bull. Van Gerwen took it out to level up the score. And then Van Gerwen took the next two legs. But Luke had missed darts at doubles in in the penultimate leg. But then Van Gerwen just turned on the style and turned on the uh, the turbos and uh, just, nip, just nipped him by, by a, a, a breath, really. The thing is, Luke Littler actually did give himself the opportunities in the game to win. Yes. He did score better than Van Gerwen. He did have more darts at double than Van Gerwen. But as we know, as Bobby George said, it's trebles for show and doubles for dough. And on this occasion, it was Van Gerwen's doubling that was superior. Yes. And, you know, for, for people that say he's not at the level he's, you know, that he was, I don't think anyone could be. I mean, Van Gerwen was playing at such a high level. You know, it was, it was nay on impossible, but... I'm not, I don't think he's dropped any any levels, I don't think. I mean, he's changed his equipment and he's changed his throw slightly. You can see there's a slight difference between how he throws back in 2007, 2008, where he's got like a more straight hand where a barrel to the floor. But now it's a bit more elevated, more of a, an, an angle. So, you know, he's, he's, he's 
putting little tweaks on things, but you know, he's still getting these tremendous results and still able to put out these fantastic averages and you know more championships. And one thing Michael Van Gerwen did have over Luke Little this weekend was the fact that he had home fans cheering him on. Yes, now that's going to be interesting with the Premier League. I think that's you know obviously each of the players have got their own like home turf. Uh, uh, but you've got two of them with Manchester with um, Aspinall and Littler. You know, so I think uh, you know it's gonna that's gonna be a raucous night in Manchester. I might even try and get tickets for that one. And if it ends up, I, d- I haven't looked at the full schedule yet, but it could be Aspinall lit the first round at Manchester. That'd be something. Who would the crowd side <laughs> I think they go with um, Littler. He's he is the reason why you've got this booming darts at the moment. You know, and a lot of the casuals will just come to see Luke Littler play. I mean. Where I work, you know, there's not a lot of darts fans, and you know, I used to, as they said, bore them to death in the office. But now, all of a sudden, everyone's a dart expert, and uh, <laughs> it's it's funny how you know a kid from Warrington seems to have just latched onto everyone's uh, mindset. Exactly, and the um, and you can tell with all the social media figures that are going out there at the minute, he is the most followed. Um, dart player on social media at the minute he's surpassed everyone on Instagram on X and he's even starting to do lives on TikTok but not darts FIFA well I think and that's good in a way you know it shows that you know he's got other things going on and need to have that balance I mean if you if you darts 24-7 you're going to get burnt out I mean and that's at every level I mean you know I know players that play week you know week in week out in three local leagues throughout the week and then they do weekends and then they wonder why they get bored or they've you know they're not as uh passionate about it whereas you know luke i think you know he understands you need to have something in the background to you know just keep you going and i did see something earlier on today with luke humphreys he um he was saying about how after luke littler um lost in the world championship final he said that he didn't um he said that he didn't throw a dart at the board until he played in Bahrain and Humphreys was basically saying that um, that despite not doing this like it's all good you're not doing it but at the end of the day if you don't practice it will catch up on you Michael Smith last year was a prime example for it I think he won the world championships didn't practice for a bit and then we saw the repercussions throughout the back end of last year yes um for me, I think because Luke is a kid, you've still got me back. I mean, he's 17. Um, still got to practice like, you know, like you would. But I think with his muscle memory that he's been playing that much away from, you know, like away from the PDC in terms of Modus WDF and playing local events. It's like Gary Anderson. I mean, I don't think, well, he didn't practice as much. He just, he used exhibitions as his practice because he was doing exhibitions every night and then you know playing tournaments you know so you know each player's different they all have this the routines but you know i don't think when luke says he's not been practicing i think he's been having a chuck i don't think he's a, a, a high level practice like you know some would but i think he's just keeping his arms loose i think luke's game is uh, luke littler that is is being as relaxed as possible and just trying to make it as normal as possible that you know for him it's you know, darts is not the the upper thing, if you know what I mean. It's you know he doesn't eat, sleep, breathe darts. It's he's very good at the moment, and he's going to just try and keep that level in his mindset. Absolutely. Um, quickly touching back on the Dutch darts masters, there were some other talking points from the tournament. Um, Michael Van Gogh won the tournament, and he had obviously he beat Litter in the final, but he had a difficult. Um, task early on in the night he um he faced Raymond van Barneveld in a clash of the two Dutch titans as you'd say and there was a stage where van Gogh was 5-2 down in that in a race 2-6 but he included finishes of 144 in the comeback and then he took out 124 to win the leg so it's not like he just turned up in the final he actually had a bit of a tough one earlier on in the night as well Yes, uh, which is a complete opposite of what happened in Bahrain. I think he he didn't have to try as much in in his previous games. So I think when he came up against Little, Little, Little just hit him straight from the onset. Whereas 
in this one in Holland, I think he had a, a couple of battles, so he was he was toughened and he was ready. He was ready, to, you know, from the start. He didn't have to warm up to the occasion. He was already, you know, biting at the bit. And you know, when MVG and RVB play, I mean, I'll always remember that match in the World Championships, the quarter was it quarter final or last sixteen? Last sixteen. Yeah, that game was superb. That was Barney probably. You know, at the best he's ever been. You know, since winning the world title um, at the Circus Tavern. You know, I've always been a Barney fan, like from his uh, BDO days, and you know, so when I, I see you know Barney coming out for that, that it feels like that one last gunsling, but he's still able to still get get the best of uh, MVG in a shorter format. So I think you know it. If they decrease the shot format, you know, best. So, uh, yeah, in a best of seven format, I think Barney would prevail more often. I think he's, uh, he just seems to have a bit of a, a hoodoo on MVG at the start of the game, but then MVG just, you know, finds his way back into it. And one thing you can say about Barney as well is that, like, even though he, he left the game, he retired, he then came back again, went to Q School, earned his tour cards. He's still going head to head with, he's still producing the numbers to give the top players nowadays the um, a challenge. Like this weekend, he um, he knocked Rob Cross out in the first round. He he gave Luke Little, he played Luke Littler at the um, World Championships, of course, and despite losing, he did produce nearly 101 average himself. So it's not like he's his standards dropped or anything it's just and obviously like he's given Michael Van Gerwen a game here he nearly beat him and um, you just know that despite um, like retiring and then coming back you just know that he's um, that his standard is still there yeah absolutely and he's got that throw down to an absolute art form now I mean I've always said it's one of the best looking throws in the in, in darts altogether him and John Lowe but now he's got that dart finally sorted with targets. You know, he's, he's gone through a few incarnations and a few different styles, going back to his previous setups and things like that. But the setup that he's, that he's using now, I think, you know, absolutely suits him down to the ground. It's front heavy, you know, so he, he can just literally flick them in. So he doesn't have to overexert himself. He just uses the weight of the dart to let him do what he wants it to do. And it shows in his performances because it's effortless whereas someone like a Van Gerwen where he puts so much thrust into that dart you know if there's a weak point or if you know if he starts losing energy which can happen in these longer formats he, he could you know at, at one point could be a bit susceptible whereas I think with Barnet it's just so fluent it's uh, I can't see it going I can't see it deviating over longer formats absolutely absolutely um another th another a few other talking points you can say from the dutch Dallas masters Gian van veen on his world series debut reached the semi-finals he beat michael smith in the first round um going price he also nearly made history like we've never seen um consecutive well uh, nine darters on the world series stage but going price was within a dart against kevin dirts in the quarterfinals before he went on and beat him it's mad to think that there was no nine darters on the world series stage since phil taylor hit a nine darter in sydney back in 2015 so we were waiting eight years for one and we've nearly had two in the space of a week as the saying goes they're pretty much like buses you wait so long for one and then you know you, we nearly had two in two but um yeah the uh, the pl8 uh as I, as I like to call them the premier league eights that are in the the world series i think between them, it's going to be just one up in each other on nine darters, on Lee starts, on one eighties. Yeah, it's it's going to make the rest of the year fascinating. I think, obviously, this year you've got the, this little effect happening at the moment, but it just seems to be that the players have all suddenly realised we've got to up our game because this kid is unnaturally good, and. You know, I think it scared a lot of them, and I think a lot of them are now are busy on them practice boards. They might say they're not, but they definitely are because, you know, they they don't want this young upstart taking all their money away from them. How would you say the players do um, deal with something like this? Because I think some of them would have 
um, had to, some of them would have experienced this before with when Michael Van Gerwen broke through. Mm. But this is a whole different level. This this kid's even younger than when Van Gerwen broke through. Van Gerwen won his first world title at 23 and Little was 17. He's already testing himself and beating the sport's biggest names and there is still so much more to come. I mean, I, my hot take on this is that not only is, is Luke younger, the Michael Van Gerwen, you know, that in terms of when he was making his presence felt in the world of darts, but he is better. He's 10 times better the player than Michael Van Gerwen was at that age, which is scary because if he can only get better with more experience, then God help any player playing against him in the next five years. Absolutely. And the numbers he's producing, like Van Gerwen was not producing 106, 105 averages consistently when he first broke through and you saw Luke Little at the World Championships this year, first game on the world stage he played um, he played Christian Kist who was a former Lakeside World Champion himself and to just go up there on the stage on his debut and throw 106 average like it was nothing Yeah because that was a, a Wednesday night if I remember correctly because I was playing a Manchester board, it was um, interleague, so I represent the Earlham League and was playing against uh, our Eccles counterparts. But no one was watching any of the log end games, even though they were being you know, teammates. Everyone was glued to that game, and you see a lot of wide eyes. And uh, I can't say what was being said in terms of how good he was and and what words were being used by some of the the, the people in the in the pub. But uh, yeah, it's it is unnatural talent and it is fantastic to see because for me playing against Luke in the Swinton League uh, years ago, you could see the potential in there. But I would have never ever say, oh yeah, it'll be in the World Championships two years later. I mean, it, what he's found and what he's helped with and what he's encouraged in terms of practicing consistently over the past two years and to the level he's got shows you, you know, how much, you know, if you put that much practice in and you, you do the right things and you look after yourself and things like that uh, mentally, then, you know, you've got the right people around you. The world is, the world, the world is there to be taken. It's going to be um, it's going to be very weird to see the because um, we've got the Masters starting this weekend and surprisingly Luke Littler actually isn't going to be in this tournament despite um, despite all of his achievements on the World Series stage and all and the World Final he's actually not high enough in the rankings yet to play in this so it's going to be a bit of a different one. So I think uh, for the Masters I think it's the PDC have done the right thing by not putting. Luke Little are in. I think you know these players have worked all year on the tour in all the other various events uh, to to get their ranking and to get their spot. And I think for someone to have a good two months, I mean, albeit an incredible two months on any standard whatsoever, but I think you know they've got to keep to the formats. You know, they've they've changed it for some players, and you could see the the Twitter uproar that there was for certain players but I think you know for this I think they've done the right thing No I completely agree I think if you were to make one one rule for Luke Littler to get into this competition you'd have many other players thinking well if he can have that rule then why can't I have it so I, I completely agree with the whole um, the PDC can't tarnish the tournament it's always been the same every year and why would they change it this year Yeah yeah totally agree yeah, um, we'll move on to the um, the Premier League. Obviously, that starts on Thursday at the Motor Point Arena in Cardiff. It started in Cardiff two years ago, and we're back there again for the opening night. And um, we see the uh, obviously the, we've we've seen the Premier League eight already on the World Series this year, and I'm very intrigued to see how they do over these seven over these sixteen weeks of league format. Yes, uh, I think this is the most hotly anticipated. Premier League season, I think since Barney joined um, all them years ago, and you know, I w I was working round the corner when they um, introduced Raymond Van Barneveld. It was at Sports Club in Manchester, opposite the Opera uh, Opera House, and I was working at the uh, a boutique hotel back in the day. And um, having been playing on the PDC circuits back then, 
I was talking to uh, Phil Taylor and he said, come over at lunchtime, we're doing something over there. And I said, well, I'm working. He said, well, just ask if you can go on your lunch break. So I went there with my little uh, Nikon, little, little tiny Nikon camera and it was all the press there. And uh, yeah, they introduced Raymond Van Barneveld. But I think uh, this is as hotly anticipated in darting circuit community as that one because obviously when Bart made this big jump from the BDO to PDC you know it made um lines and I think added you know obviously with Luke in the mix I think uh yeah all bets are off and I think it's going to be a wild 16 weeks in terms of how many can he win absolutely I don't think there's um I don't think there's any arguments for the eight players who have been selected there was there's a few. There's, there was a bit of talk about um, Peter Wright not being in this year after what he after what he's done on the tour on the um, circuit last year. But in my opinion, I think the fact that he won the European Championships earned him that right to play. Like you can say that Chris Dobie should be in this and that, but in my opinion, Peter Wright won the European Championships. Chris Dobie didn't win anything. He won the Masters last year and got in. Fair enough. But this year he didn't win anything to warrant him getting in so yeah i don't think there's any arguments for the eight that are in the premier league this year no no i think you know as as the eight as it is i think it is the the best eight you could have in terms of league titles won obviously the form of peter wright is in question and the form of mike smith is in question i mean they're not going they're not going in with uh, bundles of confidence I don't believe but again that's just my opinion but the the other six players you know toss a coin on you know who's going to be who and it's going to be very interesting how it all pans out uh, for the playoffs absolutely we've got two we've got two debutants and surprisingly one of them is the world champion Luke Humphreys he didn't get selected last year um, I think he's going to be raring to go this time around he'll know that he was a little unlucky in not getting selected last year but he's now got his chance and in my opinion I think he makes the top four this year yes uh, absolutely I mean I think that uh, being uh, not included in last year's Premier League I think that's just really uh, gave him the kick up the backside just as a you know added determination and he's like right you're not going to put me in this year i'm going to make damn well sure and he did you know winning the titles he's won he's he's made it where he cannot be not picked essentially and um yeah it's got as i said as we both said it's going to be very interesting and uh, we've got our own little thing on this haven't we we do we've got a um premier league predictions competition where each week on the week on the Darts World Weekly podcast, me and AJ will be predicting each quarterfinal that takes place on the week that we record. We'll predict the weekly winner and whoever loses has to do a forfeit and we're going to leave that completely up to you guys. Yes, so just to be, um, just to give the format out. So as we said, we're going to be picking a winner and the score of each of the quarterfinals. So if you get the correct result of, for example, who won that match, that's two points. And if you get the score correct as well, you get a bonus point. And then if you pick the weekly winner, you get additional three points. So as we said, forfeit wise, we had a few ideas, but uh, we thought we'd leave it up to the listeners. Now, obviously, this has got to be safe and legal. We don't want to be getting into trouble with these forfeits. But if you've got yeah. any suggestions whatsoever, then please send any, your suggestions to editor at dartsworld.com. That is editor at dartsworld.com. We'll read them out each week and then we'll put it to a poll on the penultimate week. And then whoever, whichever wins the poll on Twitter will then it's for one of us i'm hoping it's you this week aj <laughs> <laughs> it's not be a forfeit each week it's a forfeit at the end thankfully <laughs> oh, I see, I see. yes so um yeah any suggestions by all means send them in to darts world at, on twitter or at da- the, the email editor at dartsworld.com definitely guys get them in the comments get your forfeits loaded because i am very much excited to see what you all come up with um shall we get into the predictions competition aj yeah let's go for it you go back match by match and then we'll do
the, the who we think will win and score. Okay, so the first match is between Peter Wright and Rob Cross, two players in very different for in different forms at the minute. Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, as we've mentioned just previously, the uh, uh, Peter Wright's not going through the best of times at the moment. Um, I mean, for me, it's a Rob Cross win. And is it first to seven? It's first to six legs. Six legs. So I'm going to go six, six, two, Rob Cross. Well, you're still in my predictions already. I was also going to go with um, I was also going to go with six two to Rob Cross. Um, and I, I'm, guys, I'm not copying. I promise. I promise. I do. I do genuinely think Rob Cross will win this game six two. I just think Peter Wright at the minute. I do think I, I, I'm not trying to copy you, Adrian. I do think the um, I do think Rob Cross will win this game six two. I just think both players are in different form at the minute and. Rob Cross played really, really well at the World Championships and on the World Series last year, and I just I think he will win this game. Um, the second game is between um, Gerwin Price. He's taking on Nathan Aspinall in his hometown. I'll I'll predict the first. I'll predict mine this time just to make sure I don't um, fall into the trap of copying again. <laughs> um, and I am going to go with a a six five win for Gerwin Price. I just think. That with him having the home advantage on night one, he won here. He won in this venue last year. He's in good form, and I could just see it being one of them games where whoever, if if Price does throw first, he very very well could just hold his throw each time. You could also see Aspinall. I could I could very well see Aspinall win at six five as well. But I just think with the home advantage. The fact that he won there last year as well, I think Price will pick this one just. Yes, I've kind of gone for the same, um, but just uh, the, the one additional breaking throw with Gerwin winning at 6-4 for, for all the same reasons. Third match on the night is uh, actually a repeat of the 2023 World Championship final. It's, between, it's the two Michaels. It's Michael Van Gerwen taking on Michael Smith. And I think with the fact that Van Gerwen did win at the weekends and Smith is not really in the best of form at the minute, I'm predicting this one to be a 6-3 win to Michael Van Gerwen. Now it's my time for uh, copying. I've, I've gone for the same same, uh, same score, same same results. I see Michael Smith taking, taking six legs against NVG at this moment in time. I think this final game is the, uh, in my opinion, the most difficult one to call. I think this could go either way. It's it's a repeat of the World Championship final. It's Luke Littler taking on Luke Humphreys, and as I said, the pendulum could swing either way. But the fact that Luke Humphreys did, um, sorry, Luke Littler did beat Luke Humphreys at the weekend as well in in Den Bosk. But I just think on this occasion, I am gonna I'm gonna go with the world champion. But it's gonna be close. And I'm predicting it to be a 6-4 win to Luke Humphreys. Ooh, this is, I think this is the one where we differ. So, I'm... Good. Yeah, thank you. So, <laughs> I, I'm going, um, I'm going Littler, and I'm bought 6-5. So, that's, I think that's going to be the, the most interesting one. It will be a close game, definitely. I think both players are in top form at the minute. I think Littler as well, just the fact that he's had a very, very successful opening two tournaments on the World Series. You just know that he's going to be raring to go for this. It's both their debuts. And I just think the short format could help Littler in this occasion, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to go with the world champion on this occasion. Right. So yes, I'll, I'll go for the underdog then. <laughs> <laughs> He's not an underdog. He's definitely not an underdog. I could definitely see Luke Little win this game as well. But yeah. you've got to predict. You've got to predict the winner. And I don't know. I just. I think the world champion will will get the better of him on this occasion. But we know these two are going to have many meetings against each other, and it will be both of them will get the advantage over the other every now and again. But yes, I just. I don't know. I just think Humphreys will win this one. And um, and finally, we have to predict the weekly winner of the week. And I will go first. I think 
you could say that this is going to be a bit of deja vu in Cardiff, but I am predicting it to be uh, a win for Gerwin Price on the opening night. I just think he's um, he will have the support of all the crowd there. He won there last year. He played really well last year as well. And he topped the league last year. So I just think that all of these factors will play a part and I see him winning the opening night of this year's Premier League. Right. Well, I'm going to go with the headline grabber, the newsmaker, the Littler effect. I'm going Luke Littler is winning week one. Can completely see that. Can completely see that. I, even though I predicted him to lose in the quarterfinals, if he does win against Luke Humphries in the final match, who's to say that he could go on and win it? But he would have a difficult affair, a difficult semi-final, I should say. He's um, he would play Michael Van Gogh and or Michael Smith in the semi. So yeah, but I don't think I, I literally don't think anything phases him. As you saw, you know, as we mentioned earlier, he's too busy playing FIFA to be phased and scared by what's going on on the dark stage. He just goes up, wreaks havoc, hits trebles, hits doubles, walks away. With all the weeks that are in play in this Premier League, the competition lasts for 16 weeks. Do you not think that we'll get to us? We will get to a stage where Littler will start feeling it a bit. When you start adding in Pro Tour as well, I think possibly. Yes, I do. I think you know. Obviously, this is my trepidation with Littler being in this Premier League. I, you know, I, I knew it was going to be one of the calls made, and I said i've said to you know people i think it would be too much for him now i think they should have i think they should have waited a year i think they should have bedded him in getting fully in with the media with media training etc um but at the at the moment he just seems to be taking everything in his stride and he's got a good as i said uh, he's got a good management team behind him but i just i think once you start combining these high pressure events and high elevated events you know these marquee events like the world series like the premier league and then you know he's going back to milton Keynes or you know wherever to play his you know to play his normal darts you know i i, I don't know how much of an effect that's going to have him i mean at the moment all he's used to is the limelight and the green light um but at the moment it's uh you know he's once he gets back down to earth how is he going to take that landing, so to speak? Pro Tours, they start in February. Um, we know this year the Pro Tours are going to be on during the week instead of at the weekends from this year going forward. And you mentioned the hectic schedule. It's going to get tougher. And the Euro Tours also going to start soon as well. So it could be situations where you finish playing on the Thursday night and then he's going straight on a plane to wherever the Euro Tour is in the weekend and then back again, back to another venue in the Premier League and it's going to get to a stage where he's just going to be living out of a suitcase all the time. From speaking from someone who has been, who does live from a suitcase in it, uh, with his day job and uh, darts and, and such, you know, it, it can get a bit stir crazy because, you know, you go to these fantastic places, but you don't really see it. I mean, you know, you, you see your hotel room, you see the venue, you know, and uh, you don't see what's going on around it. But um, I think, uh, you know, we'll just got to see how he does. Gets that care and attention that he needs from his management team. And, you know, as I said, the media training, not just with dealing with the media on a face-to-face -face basis, but with Twitter, with, you know, um, social media. You know, I think he's, you know, if he's... If he keeps level-headed on on that aspect, then fine. But you know, he does need of his age. Really, he just needs a little bit more care and attention than um, people are giving out. I think even he said at the World Championships at the end of it that even he was getting a bit um, sick of all of the cameras always being on him all the time. Um, I remember Gary Anderson saying in one of his post-match conferences after one of his World Championship wins that. He said to, to the media, basically, just let the kid play his darts and stop putting cameras in his face all the time because we had a case of Josh Rock being labelled as the next big thing in darts and we didn't even think about Luke Little at the time and now we're at that stage again where could the media, could social media have an effect on him because at the minute it doesn't seem like anything can affect him. 
No, I mean, he's just taking it all in stride. I mean, he was at uh, Carrington um, doing uh, playing against, you know, his, his heroes, you know, his uh, football heroes at, at Manchester United. And, you know, it, again, just seems to be just another day at the office for him. He just doesn't seem to be in awe of anything or anyone. And he's just, you know, for him, it's just, there's a dartboard, I'll throw some darts at it. And he just seems to be very good at doing that. I'll move away from Luke Littler. Um, we'll stick with the Premier League, though. And I think one player who will be looking at it this year, thinking he missed an opportunity last year, does he come back this year and take the chance? Because we know he's we know he's got the game to win the Premier League at some stage. Um, Nathan Aspinall, he, um, last year, I think he got to the final night and he was with, within... I think he was going in level with Johnny Clayton and the winner of, I think, whoever made it further in the night was going to go to reach the playoffs. And I think I think Clayton and Aspinall played each other. Aspinall did win, but Aspinall had to reach the final to go through. And Gerwin Price ended up beating him in the sevens. But this year, it's a new year. He suited the format well last year, even though he didn't qualify. And I think he's got a very, very big chance to maybe make the top four this year. Yeah, I mean Aspinall, you know, his his throws, he seems to be throwing really well. But at the same time, I'm just getting a bit um, dubious of his throw. He seems to be stopping a lot mid throw and realigning himself. You know, I mean, obviously the way he sees the darts going in is different to how we see the darts going in, and you know, maybe a blocker and that. But he just at the moment just seems to be second guessing himself i mean it's worked each time don't get me wrong you know the adjustments he's made he does hit the treble 20 more often than not after the adjustment but it just doesn't seem to be as fluent as he used to be i think one thing you should say one thing you have to say though is that if when you see him on the stage with his re-grips like if he won't throw the dart unless he's in full control of what is going on and in my opinion i actually agree with that like if you if you're not in full control of the dart and you try to throw it the chances are it's definitely not going to where you want it to go yes and whereas you look at a player like mike smith i mean he locks it i mean his dart is locked in that position because of the the grip details but i think with aspinall's throw with having a lot of twists to it it's got to be perfect now not saying the equipment's wrong for him or anything like that, but I think he's, you know, he's he's had a few tweaks to the grip and you know uh, finger placement, you know, just for reference points. And um, but I think it's, you know, if them stops becoming start becoming more and more, you know, there might be another issue going on that we, you know, they might not be aware of. And one final thing, quickly on the Premier League, um, Rob Cross he returns to the Premier League this year. After a little absence, um, he he reached the final in 2019, so he has come very close to winning this tournament. And it's the only thing in his achievements that he's not won yet that's stopping him from winning the Triple Crown. And if he was to win the Premier League this year, then he'd join a very, very illustrious group of players who have won the Premier League match play and World Championships. There's only, there's only three at the minute, and that is Phil Taylor, Michael Van Gerwen and Gary Anderson. Yeah, and and the thing is, there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, pomp about Rob Cross, which probably suits him. I mean, you know, everyone, you know, Michael Van Gerwen can say, you know, what he says in his uh, interviews, and you know, and sometimes be a bit outlandish in them interviews. But Rob Cross just seems to be quietly going his business, and uh, you know, he, he he's, he's playing some solid stuff. I think he's getting to that level of, you know, a major win. And I think he's just building building his game up slowly, you know, uh, in the background, and it's not being noticed. And I think, you know, for some people, write him off at your peril. I don't think many people would have anticipated him getting to what he did last year. He, um, he had a very successful period on the World Series stage. He won in New Zealand um, and then came back into the later majors towards the end of the year. He reached the Grand Slam final. He did well in the Worlds. Um, I think all the signs are there now for him to kick on this year. And as you say, the majors coming, and it could be very well sooner. It could be sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, I think over them two years, he made some slight modifications to his dart. He was using a more standard point than his normal um, storm points, but 
I think six months ago he went back to the starting points and he just seemed that just seems to have been the uh, the thing that's got him to that the levels that he's uh, that we usually uh, associate with him. Yes, yeah, so it looks like it's going to be a busy year for uh, Mr. Little, but it's also uh, a busy year for yours truly with doing the ADC events and DF events and decided to do Tough Mudder this year, raising money for a, a cause which is uh, quite close to both you and I um, hearts uh, with a, a mutual friend who's um, going through a lot at this moment in time. Um, the the charity I'm working with is the Headneck Cancer Foundation and later in the year in July there's two events I'm doing the first one being Tough Mudder uh, participated last year and it was so good I've decided to do it again but this time raising money for the charity uh, the Headneck Cancer Foundation.org.uk who provide essential treatment and essential support for people who are suffering with head and neck cancers and treatments. But also, what I'm happy to announce is that I am running a darts tournament in the northwest of England. It is the Head Neck Cancer Foundation Darts Open. It's been held in Higher Earlham Social Club and the date is the 6th of July. And there it's going to be a knockout based tournament, maximum of 64 entries. £10 is the entry fee and £2.50 of that is going to the charity itself. And we're also going to be having raffles and tombolas and other charity events happening throughout the day. Uh, the events you can enter through Darts Atlas, which is the system that is used by the ADC for their events. So if you head on over to the Headnet Cancer Foundation uh, page on Facebook, uh, all the details will be there. Uh, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I've run a few events in the past um, under different guises and for different charities, but uh, this one means a hell of a lot to me and obviously to yourself and hopefully we can get as much support as possible for this charity. Sounds like a fantastic idea, AJ, and very best of luck. I wish you the best of luck. I'm sure our um, listeners will best of luck in all your efforts with the tournament and with your mud run. Yes, it's going to get very messy. So, guys, at this point in the show, we would have a live Q&A, but with this being the first episode, if you have any questions for me or AJ... Head out um, email editor at dartsworld.com with any forth if you've got any forfeits, if you've got any questions, any opinions, email it over and we'll try and get out, we'll try and get to it as quick as possible. Yes, guys, and don't forget with Darts World, we're not just a podcast. Originally we was the magazine, the first and only Dart magazine, and uh, we've got a special souvenir for all of our fans there on the website it is dartsworld50.com 24.25 and that is your f- world suit for all our fans that's a fantastic read guys it's a highlights of all of the issues released throughout the year both digital and um, published issues and the souvenir edition it's a highlights of all of the best pieces throughout the year so if i were you i would head over and download it now because it's free my best kind of price that and i'm harry masterson and you've been into the darts world weekly podcast solo bye-bye guys